This is Gulf Coast Life Arts Edition from WGCU. I'm John Davis. Thanks for joining us. Later this month, the Florida Repertory Theater in downtown Fort Myers, which the Wall Street Journal has called one of America's top repertory companies, will formally kick off its 2022-23 season. As in the past, the Florida Rep's 25th season includes productions that run the full spectrum, from dramas to dark, situational, and farcical comedies, a murder mystery, classic plays, and contemporary works, and of course, musical theater. Since 2020 and the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, the Florida Rep went to extreme extraordinary lengths to continue providing quality theater performances while still keeping audiences safe, but this year feels much more like a return to normal conditions. Joining me now for a preview of all the Florida Rep has in store for the coming season is the company's artistic director, Greg Longenhagen. Greg is an original founding company member at the Florida Rep with a long accomplished list of acting and directing credits. He's also a producer and educator, having served as a professor of theater here at Florida Gulf Coast Unity at University, and he'll be stepping into the director's chair for at least one production in the upcoming season. Greg Longenhagen, welcome back to Gulf Coast Life. Uh, It's been too long. John, I feel the same way, and thank you so much for having me back. And to engage with us and your fellow listeners about this conversation or any of our shows, find us on Facebook. We're at WGCU Public Media. On Twitter, we're at WGCU. Use the hashtag GCL. And in the interest of full disclosure, Florida Repertory Theater is an underwriter here on WGCU. So, Greg, uh, you know, I just mentioned the pandemic challenges of recent years past. For the company's most recent 24th season, I remember you had emphasized productions delivering messages of hope, human connection, renewal. Was there any kind of overarching thematic approach to selections for the coming season? Or is this more about providing audiences with a you know a broad variety of theater offerings? Well, I will say that we we really have gone back to uh, I shouldn't say gone back. We were still trying to do it in season twenty four, but we do part of our mission is to provide a, a wide variety of works uh, for our patrons and to the, and for the community. And I think we're doing that now. Uh, some of the uh, we have a lot of comedies, a lot of funny pieces in store for folks this season. Uh, but many of the comedies that we have also have uh, some meat to them, yeah. which I'm really looking forward to. We have one, uh, I guess you could. Call a low farce on the season, which we may talk about today. One high farce as well, but um, yeah, it, it, it's. Um, I, I think that these are are, are new, many new comedies and meaty comedies uh, that have a little bit of uh, substance to them this season. All right. Well, let's dive right in. Um, The first show of the season, Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill, is going to run September 23rd through October 30th. Um, As an avid Billie Holiday fan, this is going to be a must-not-miss for me. But but what can you tell us about this production? So, uh, first of all, we're so... This is a show that we've been wanting to do for several seasons, so we're really excited to be finally producing it. Um, Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill was... was, At first was brought on stage in the mid-'80s, Lainey Robertson... Uh, brought this to the stage. It finally made it to Broadway in 2014. I believe it was 2014. And um, it really is an evening. Uh, you know, a lot of people think will come and they think, oh, well, maybe this is a, you know, a musical review. There's plenty of music. You're going to hear all of Billie Holiday's amazing uh, songs that she performed uh, throughout her career. But it really is, you know, uh, an evening that you spend with Billie Holiday where you see her highs and lows. Of course, this, you know, this, this uh, t- is, was a real event. Um, Lainey Robertson actually um, took the uh, um, the information uh, uh, from a, an individual who was actually at this this show. It took place in 1959 in Philadelphia at Emerson's, and they're real live verbal accounts, and that's what he used to help to create the script for this. It's about four months before um, 
uh, Billie Holiday actually passed at the very young age of, I believe she was 44 when she finally passed away. So this is one of her last, it's based on one of her last concerts, but um, it, it really is a, it really is a gritty evening. It's as much of an acting piece as it is a, a, a musical. Yeah. Did it feel particularly important to stage this production in the art stage studio? Because it has that more intimate feel. You you can feel like you're in the bar. Yes, exactly. That's exactly right, John. And we're, we're transforming the art stage into what we're calling a gritty Philadelphia bar, which is what Emerson's was uh, back in the day. But yeah, this is definitely one of the pieces that you really want to be up close uh, to the talent with and to the band as well, because it should it should really it, it will it will transfer better, I believe, in the smaller space. Casting seems like it would have been interesting for this show. For the most part, it's going to be professional musicians more so than actors, but it seems like the, you know, the success of this production is really going to hinge on that actor making her Florida rep debut in the role of Billie Holiday, because you've got to get that iconic sound. Yes, you do. And we are so excited. Ebony uh, Pullum is our, is our playing our Billie Holiday. And she's, uh, she's from Philadelphia, where Billie Holiday was from too, incidentally. Yeah. And um, she is dynamic. Uh, she, you know, we, we auditioned for this, uh, as we do for all of our plays. We go to New York several times a year to uh, audition for talent. She came up from Philly and she really did blow us away in the audition room. She did a terrific job. She was, a, she was the obvious choice to come in and play Billie Holiday. And I understand she she's played that role in a previous yeah. production, so this isn't exactly new territory. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't aware that she had played it before when she came in. I soon realized that when we were sitting down looking over her uh, her resume. Uh, but she was very comfortable already when she came in. And I thought, oh, she's a, she's a natural. But uh, we're really excited to see uh, what she's going to bring to uh, to this production. All right. And as the final performances of Lady Day approach, Florida Rep will be taking on a production of the distinctly Irish Catholic comedy (laughs) Incident at Our Lady of Perpetual Help. That's going to be in the Arcade Theater running October 28th through November 13th. Um, what can you tell us about this show? So I, I, John, I got this show. I mean, this for me, when I read this script, it was laugh out loud funny. It was one of those types of scripts. Uh, Katie Forget, who's the the playwright on this, uh, is predominantly an actress. I mean, she works, she's worked on stage for many, many years. I believe she's based out in Seattle. But um, yeah, this was so, uh, this really struck a chord with me because I, I mean, I'm, I grew up in an Irish Catholic, German Catholic uh, family with a bunch of kids and stuff like that. So, you know, it was a lot of things. Anybody who's grown up in that type of environment is going to have an easy, you know, they're going to be very easily drawn to this. But I liken it to uh, like a Neil Simon comedy, a family comedy. Uh, But instead of a Jewish family, it's a Catholic family. Mm -hmm. And um, it's told through the eyes of their 19-year-old daughter, who's the oldest in the family. And and, uh, there's a lot of direct address to the audience, but a lot of hijinks and and, uh, (laughs) a lot of of great uh, comic elements to this show as well. Yeah. Um, so so one of the comedic elements of this show is is one of the characters' descriptions of, of sex to a younger sibling. I, I'm wondering if you think, even if this is a comedy, it could resonate particularly well uh, and, and relevant today, kind of given how we see public education curriculum taking center stage in political theater and there being all this pushback, particularly in Florida, when it comes to providing comprehensive sex education in schools. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, there's, 
there's definitely, I mean, it's set in 1973. Yes. So, so we're, we're looking at it through the eyes of, of, uh, you know, that generation, if you will, but it is certainly told from a, from a female perspective. Most of the characters in the play are female. Um, and it, it really, it really does, uh, lend itself to, um, a, 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 a way of looking at things that that you know how we may have transformed and moved forward through time uh, from 1973 until today, and that's part of the meat of the story. But boy, along the way, it, there are some really funny. I mean, it's 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 really really a funny piece, and and uh, you know the the lead ca- character, the actress who does all the direct address, and some of the other characters do in the play as well. Um, it's really it's really like a, like watching a stand up comedian <laughs> take, yeah. take the stage. Yeah. 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 Well, and then in December, you'll be mounting a production of, you know, the Agatha Christie well-known murder mystery. And then there were none. Yes. Um, I mean, this was the world's best-selling mystery novel, more than 100 million copies sold, still one of the best-selling books of all time. So I imagine you're not, not exactly expecting audiences to come in totally blind to the plot. Yes. I mean, if uh, those who are, we're hoping, we're hoping, John, that many have not seen a, a or, or you know, seen a, a version of the film. There have been several that have been done over the years. Yes. Right? You know, but we're hoping it's been long enough that some folks may, may um, you know, may forget because, <laughs> you know, when you're watching a mystery, uh, and this is as much a mystery as a thriller, as a detective story it's like all three kind of rolled into one which is so to me is so exciting but um yeah we have um we have some plans for uh for the production so that it uh, uh for some it may be very new in terms of some of the things that occur which i'm not going to talk about today oh man <laughs> oh yeah because i was gonna know there was uh, like in the 40s like a, a, a theater company in scotland had been given special permission to restore the original ending there was a film adaptation that did it, um, I believe, with an all-black cast. And Agatha Christie herself wrote the initial stage adaptation, which had to be changed from the original. And you're not going to tell us anything. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you're just joining the show, we're getting a sneak preview, sort of, of the Florida (laughs) Repertory Theater's upcoming 25th season with the company's artistic director, Greg Longenhagen. And if you would like to comment on our conversation or engage with fellow listeners, again, find us on Facebook at WGCU Public Media. And we're on Twitter at WGCU. Use the hashtag GCL. So next up in the Art Stage Studio, a production of the drama Freud's Last Session that runs December 16th through January 15th. What can you tell us about this fast-paced battle of wits? Yes, that's exactly what it is, John. It's a fictitious uh, meeting of the minds between uh, Sigmund Freud and C.S. Lewis. It takes place uh, right on the brink of, of World War II. It's when uh, when Freud had already moved out of uh, Vienna to London, which we, we know that, that that indeed did happen. Um, but it's, uh, it's, you know, every season we, we try to fit in what I like to call plays of ideas, at least one play of ideas. And this, would, this one would be it. This would be our play of ideas because it really is, a, a, uh, a battle of wits, as you said, about life, um, about m- marriage, about sex, uh, really uh, God, um, all of that. And it's coming from two very separate, you know, I won't say diametrically opposed because I wouldn't go that far. But, you know, Freud, of course, was Jewish and C.S. Lewis, a devout Catholic. So they're coming with, um, you know, very, very different views. C.S. Lewis was much younger uh, than Freud uh, at the time. And um, I think that anybody who enjoys uh, that kind of good, what I like to call 
brain food, they're going to they're going to love this production. Are you looking for this show to maybe foster a lot of, you know, post show conversation among audiences? Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't reach any really clear resolution. It's not about you know, trying to tempt believers towards apostasy or convert atheists. Again, there's no clear resolution. Yes, there is not. No. And I, gosh, John, I love those types of shows. I mean, when I go to the theater, I don't, I don't really want to be told what, what I'm supposed to think really at the end of that. But, um, but just that I am thinking about what was being proposed on the stage. And it's, it, this will be a great piece for folks who like to, you know, get together afterward for, you know, a cup of coffee or a drink or even a week later. I think there'll be people, you know, who will leave uh, the show go back to their uh, particular communities and whatnot and hopefully have uh, more conversation about this. This is a big heavy lift for your actors, too. It's it's just Sigmund Freud and C.S. Lewis, and that's it. That's it. That's mm. it. It's, and this will this will be in the art stage, too, as you said. It's a very intimate uh, piece. It Basically, it takes place inside of uh, Sigmund Freud's study. Sigmund Freud invites C.S. Lewis to his home, um, and uh, and there's reasons for that that are quickly um, uh, talked about in the script as soon as the, you know, as soon as the play opens. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, um, it, it's, a, it's a lot. It's a lot of wordplay. It's a lot of things that uh, to hang on to as an audience member. So it's definitely one of those pieces where, you know, come prepared to uh, to pay attention and, and be part of it. All right. And also starting in January will be the Florida Reps production of the Situation Comedy Ripcord. Um, I just find it interesting that this play explores some dark themes like familial estrangement, domestic violence, the possibility of imminent death, but but it's a comedy. <laughs> what, can, what can you tell us about it? Well, you have to know, and, and I know you're familiar with this writer, but David Lindsay Abair is, uh, he's the master of this. I mean, he, he has been doing this for years. I mean, he's written all different kinds of plays. Uh, some are heavier than others. Some are lighter than others. Uh, but they all have, they all delve into meat, you know, meaty stuff. You know, they all delve into into things like, like you just described. And this one definitely serves that up. I mean, on the surface, it's really, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a classic, like you say, situational comedy. It's like, it's like an odd couple story. Um, you have, uh, these two women in an assisted living uh, home. They've, they're, uh, about to become roommates and they both want the, the bed by the window and, and, mm-hmm. and there's only one window. So, so they, uh, they enter into a, a, a competition with one another, a bed, if you will, a wager, uh, to see who's gonna, who's gonna be able to, uh, take over that bed. And, uh, that's where the fun starts and uh, we're really excited to be doing it. we're going to be bringing back uh two of our of our ensemble members uh to do this show we had originally had a schedule for 2020 before you know we had to shut down uh, because of the pandemic right but um yeah um uh, vicky boyle and sarah morsey will be on the stage in the two leading roles for this one and much like freud's last session you know, their strength as actors is really what's going to be on display here. That's what carries this performance. 100%. Yep, 100%. And we round out the caps. I mean, that's a two-hander, you know, and that'll be inside the small stage. But this is, this. we we, we absolutely have to do Ripcord on the big stage because we change locations. And right. it's a, I won't give you the details because some of those locations are really fun. <laughs> okay, okay. And then heading back to the Art Stage Studio, running February 3rd through March 5th, we have Oscar Wilde's farcical comedy, The Importance of Being earnest. Um, This is, of course, a well-known and loved classic, but um, what do you want to tell me about the production and why you wanted to bring it? 
I, I will say this. It's one of my favorite plays. I, I think that this is, um, uh, you know, it's been described as the, the greatest comedy ever written by, by some uh, in the industry. And, uh, you know, arguably, I guess you could say it is. Um, really excited to be doing a, a world classic and something of this caliber. I mean, Oscar Wilde was was brilliant. And I think that, you know, I think this is definitely his best play. Um, if you're looking at it from, you know, from dramaturgically speaking, I mean, there's no fad in it. It really is a every little thing in there is really essential to uh, to carrying off the piece itself. And um, no, we I was just I was so excited. You know, I looked at this and, and, and we, we we all looked at it as a team and just said, yeah, this this would be a great piece for us to do and to do in period style you know, and give our audiences an opportunity to, to see the great work that our costume design team does. And, and uh, uh, you know, it's going to be performed in the round inside our small oh, wonderful. space. Yep, yep, right. yep. We're going to be doing this in the round. So, you know, it, these actors will be in your lap, you know, for the for the, the, the whole evening or the afternoon, depending on when you come see the show. But it, it really is uh, one of the best written, um, I call high farces or comedy um, ever. And, uh, you know, the fact that we hadn't done it until now is kind of like, wow, how, why have we not done this one? But um, yeah, really excited to be uh, putting this one on stage. All right. And next up, we have the drama on Golden Pond coming to the Arcade Theater February 17th through March 5th. What made you not only want to bring this modern American classic to the Florida rep, but to take on the role of director for this production? John, I, I, you could say that I, I have a nostalgia crisis. <laughs> I, I, I love nostalgia. I, I, you know, I, I think that you know, theater that can dare to be sentimental, especially in this day and age, um, I think it's worth it. I think it's worth to try and, and do that. And I know our our patrons enjoy that. They enjoy being able to go back to a time where you know things may have been a little simpler. Of course, this is you know, on Golden Pond takes place on a on a lake in Maine, and um, it's the summer home. Um, I love this piece because it's it, it on the surface, it, you know, it's a comedy. There's no doubt about it. But there's an extreme amount of pathos in this script. There's a reason why this play has been done all over the world and in, in, in different languages. And um, the reason that I think is because it, it is it's one of those pieces where it, you could easily. Um, you could easily look at it and say, oh, it's just this nice little piece. But there's a lot in this. There's a lot in a lot of familial stuff, years and years of of uh, bad feeling between some family members. So it is a comedy. It's funny. But there's there's an ex- there's there's an extreme depth to this play that um, I was really excited to try and get in there and tackle with our actors and the rest of our creative team. Yeah, it seems really accessible. Like like you mentioned, it's being performed in different languages, different places. It seems like it could be, it could really resonate, you know, regardless of what kind of culture you grew up in or even what time period. Absolutely, yeah. It's it, you know, I, I love pieces that um, have that sort of timeless feel to yeah. them. Um, that the, you know, a lot of classic theater. Of course, this is a modern American classic, but a lot of classic theater. I think one of the reasons why it, it still gets done is because it does resonate with folks, and it doesn't matter where you're from or even your age or any of that stuff you know the, the writer Ernest Thompson just uh, he, he really he really hit he hit on all on all cylinders with this piece and and uh, I, I'm so proud that we're putting it on our stages and, I, and I'm really really excited and I feel challenged too to be able <clears throat> excuse me to direct it so um, you know we like as artists we like to challenge ourselves and I think this one uh, is it, it will be a challenge because it's not just a piece of fluff you got to find the stuff that's in the piece yeah and there was a memorable film at Adaptation, I think, in the early '80s, with uh, Catherine Hepburn, Jane Fonda, Henry Fonda, was 
that kind of what put this on your radar? You know, it, it really wasn't. The, the, the film, which I have not watched um, again, I saw it years and years ago, but I'm planning to watch it sometime beforehand just to know what was going on. The film, as I recall, is, it's, it's quite different than the, than, the, um, than the stage play. You know, of course, you have locations in the film and there's new dialogue. Mm-hmm. It's similar in terms of the, the, um, you know, the themes and, and whatnot. But um, it, it was really the play itself. I picked it back up and I was like, this is good. We need to do this. All right. And then Jason Parrish returns to the director's chair for the Florida Reps production of the musical Ring of Fire. Um, I think it's fairly obvious what this is about, but go ahead and uh, give us a bit of an intro. Well, I, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, we've done so well, John, with uh, in terms of box office with these jukebox musicals, and people have such a great time. I mean, you go in there, the energy in the room inside the arcade is just, it's palpable, you know, and I, and I, I think, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons why people come to live events and come to live theaters for that type of experience. This is a great story. It follows, uh, you know, Johnny Cash through different times, you know, through, through the stages in his life. And you're going to hear all of his great stuff, Folsom Prison Blues, you mm-hmm. know, a man, you know, boy called, you know, you get, you get, you know, of course, Ring of Fire and many, many others. But uh, we just know this is going to be a foot stomping fun time for everybody. All right. And closing out the coming 25th season in the Art Stage Studio, a production of the dark comedy Lobby Hero running April 21st through May 16th. This show garnered a number of Tony Award nominations. What um, do you maybe want to tell us about this? You know, I saw this show, John, back in New York when it opened there uh, in the 90s, and I I loved it. I just thought it was so it was so clever. It was so well done. I mean, it does it does have it's a comedy. Uh, it's a romance too, quite frankly, and and it's got a bit of a murder mystery thing going on in it too. So Lonergan he he hits on on a lot of different subjects in here and and uh, and motifs, and it really is. It does also examine you know, morality and, and, and what motivates folks and things like that. So uh, I think it's a great piece. There's, there's a lot of meat in it, but it was just one of the things that I really loved about it is, is it was, it had no symbolism. It was just a piece that was put out there on stage for you to enjoy and digest and, and have a great time. And of course, uh, Kenneth Lonergan wrote this. Um, we're all familiar with his work, whether we know it or not. He co-wrote the film Gangs of New York. He wrote and directed You Can Count on Me, which I loved, and Manchester by the Sea, which I sobbed through. Um, but given all this, I'm curious if if this show might have been more difficult to secure the rights to perform. I mean, it, it's fairly contemporary, and, and Lonergan is such a household name. He is. He is indeed. Yeah, we were fortunate to, to be able to get the rights to do this. Um, I don't know if there are any other theaters in the area that were looking to do it. Um, I've had it on my short list to, to put it in, into the theater season since like, since coming on board at Florida Rep a few years back. And um, yeah, feel really, really, really fortunate and blessed to be able to put this on the stage. All right. And, and I noticed in seasons past, I remember the Florida Rep kind of setting aside the holiday season for thematic productions like A Christmas Carol or David Sedaris's Santa Land Diaries. But, you know, I noticed kind of an absence of those shows from the roster this year. Was that an intentional decision? Or? Well, you know, so what, that December time slot is a tough one for us because we know that families are, you know, people are with their families and sometimes it's hard to get them into the theater because they're doing, you know, holiday things or maybe they've, you know, moved up north for a couple of weeks before the holiday, um, so we we kind of switch things around in there. We might bring back um, we might bring back the elf. We might we might bring, really yeah. I don't okay. know about the, I don't know about this season, but Jason and I talk regularly. Jason Parrish, our associate artistic director, we talk regularly about crumpet and bringing crumpet back. Um, and we we may we may do that. We may do that. Oh, so many great moments in that. I'm yeah. gonna have you fired. I'm gonna have you killed. 
It's such a great performance. Yeah. Oh, well, that is about all the time we have for today's show. But did you want to leave any final thoughts with our listeners about well, the upcoming season? Uh, you know, I just hope that, you know, if there's if you have any questions about what we're doing, head to our website. I'm not going to plug it right now. I know you'll probably do it. It'll go online. But um, there's so much information about each of these plays that you can decide. There's still subscriptions available. You can save so much money. But um, we are back up to full strength after the pandemic. And we have got some amazing artists coming into our spaces this season to perform. All right. Well, we've been exploring the Florida Repertory Theater's upcoming 25th season with the company's artistic director and founding company member, Greg Longenhagen. And for more about the season or to secure your individual tickets or a season subscription, visit floridarep.org. Greg, again, thanks so much for taking the time and for all of your efforts to enrich the, the cultural tapestry of Southwest Florida. John, thank you. Also, one more shameless plug. Uh, Greg Longenhagen is going to be an upcoming guest that we'll be recording in October for WGCU's podcast, Three Song Stories. So look forward to that. And uh, you have Stephanie Davis to blame for that. (laughs) If you missed any of today's show, you can always hear episodes in their entirety on our website, wgcu.org slash gcl, or subscribe to our podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Our show today was produced by Jared Gonzalez and yours truly. Our director is Richard Chinqui. Our social media coordinator is Tara Calligan. For now, thanks for listening. I'm John Davis. This is WGCU-FM, Fort Myers 90.1, WMKO, Marco Island 91.7 FM, NPR for Southwest Florida. If I give him my last nickel And it leaves me in a pickle Ain't nobody's business If I do Well, I'd rather my man would hit me Than for him to jump up and quit me Ain't nobody's business if I do I swear I won't call no copper If I'm beat up by my papa Ain't nobody's business If I do